It's Monday, October 18th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's just me and Tyler today. I think Russ is a little bit under the weather. How's it going, dude? It's going good, man. Awesome. It's going real good. It's pretty outside. Oh, yeah. I think I mentioned that I was getting some trees milled last time. Maybe not. If I didn't, that's a fun story. Mm. And man, I've got some pretty planks. Like, really pretty. I'm talking three inches thick, gorgeous spalting, and like 30 plus inches wide. It's pretty cool. Spalting? I didn't, I don't know what that is. Spalting. Spalting is that a is type like that. of wood? No, it's it's all elm. The stuff that I've got is all elm because I had two dead elms on my property that were standing. And, and it's great wood to work with. But um, spalting is actually like a decay sort of feature. Um, okay. It's a feature of the wood. Yeah. And it, it's really, a, uh, my understanding is that it's like a, it's almost like a line where bacteria and molds are kind of like almost meeting as they start to decompose the wood mm, but it yeah ends up you're being right like these really pretty random you know patterns um and yeah. it just adds a lot to the kind of visual look of the the wood and both of both of the trees that i'm having milled are uh are, are pretty heavily spalted so it's really pretty huh okay yeah. cool man yeah it looks like it's uh caused by fungi yep. all right cool man it's good to be back on the show. I was out all last week on vacation. Super fun, hanging out in uh, Western North Carolina. Yeah, that looked but, awesome. uh, fun to see you with all your family and all your photo montages. Yeah, man. But uh, good to be back home. Good to be back in my routine and doing all that kind of fun stuff. Speaking of routines, let's get into this day in tech history. Got two Rubble. of them today. Got two of them. Okay, which one you want? The first one or the second one? <laughs> Nope. Second one first. <laughs> Second one first. Okay. Here we go. October 18th. You guessed the year. The world's first video game. Uh, William Higginbotham and Robert Dvorak Sr. show off a tennis simulator game. I've never nah. seen this before. Never seen this before. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like they're describing Pong, but Pong? the way the <laughs> game looks, it doesn't... I'm trying to understand what it is I'm it's looking at Pong. here. No, um, show off a tennis simulator game they called Tennis for Two, developed on a Donner Model 30 analog computer using an oscilloscope. It is the nice. first known electronic game to use a graphical display. Ah, an oscilloscope is a graphical display. I mean, they're not wrong, but come on. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, let me awesome. see what else I can uh, give you oh, to help you guess the year. Higginbotham and Dvorak developed the game to show off to visitors to the Brookhaven National Laboratory where they worked. The game was only shown off twice during the mm -hmm. laboratory's annual visitor day while hundreds of visitors lined up to play the game when it was made available. Little was known about the game for decades. While somewhat sim similar in gameplay decades. to the later hit Pong. There we go. See, I, I didn't. I hadn't yeah, read no. this ahead hey, of time. When you said yeah, tennis simulator. Like I was gonna start. I started thinking like, yeah. did Pong come out? But nope. It says there's no. Pong. Yeah, it says there's no known direct relationship between the games. That's great. This was the first one, the first video game. But yeah, if you consider <sighs> a an oscilloscope well, video. Yeah. What's the what's the graphical what's display the in the tent? Right. Like it, that's yep. if an oscilloscope is a graphical display, then I guess technically that makes sense. I'm gonna go with. Oh man, uh, 68. Ah, 58. Close. Ah, Close. I was off by a decade. 
No big deal. You get you get closer on this one. So here's the here's the first one that you wanted second. The NES hits North America October 18th. <laughs> Nintendo releases the NES Nintendo Entertainment System in New York and limited other North American markets. An immediate hit. Nintendo released the game nationwide in February of the following year, which I'm not going to say. Along with the NES, Nintendo released 18 games that day, including 10-Yard Fight, which I've never played, Baseball, Clue Clue Land, Donkey Kong Jr. Math. There it is. What? It's called Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> Math. Duck Hunt, which everyone knows. Hello. Excite Bike. Know that one. Golf. Gyromite. Hogan's Alley. Ice Climber. Kung Fu. Mock Rider. Pinball, Stack Up, Tennis, Wild Gunman, Wrecking Crew, and Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario and Excite Bike, baby. Duck Hunt, too. Yeah. Those, were, uh, those were my jams early. Ooh, so when it was released, and you said it was released in New York and a couple of places, special places yeah. first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is when it hit North America. Today. What year? Yeah, I'm thinking. Um, I mean, it's got to be like the best... 1983. I think he always says 86. Uh, yeah, but that's because he's a goofball, so I'm going with 1983. <laughs> it's 85. Ah, 85. Very close. Very that close. wasn't actually on my list. I was going to guess three or four, not five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, there's all kinds of other weird stuff, but I don't want to waste our time getting into it. There was, If y'all want to go look it up, um, today in history, in 1933, um, let's see. The American philosopher inventor R. Buckminster Fuller applied for a patent for his Dimaxion car. I don't know. Uh, this this is going to send us off into some crazy land uh, if I end up talking about it. But um, when Fuller first sketched the Dimaxion car in 1927, it was a half car, half airplane. When it got going fast enough, its wings were supposed to inflate called the 4d transport like this guy was <laughs> i think this guy was way too ahead of his time or something mm -hmm. but uh yeah wow. y'all want to go look that up there's a bunch of bunch of crazy stuff going on there and there's a few other things um that happened to this day in history but uh yeah man that was the big stuff that's, that's crazy i it's funny i was just racking my brain trying to think i i'm guessing and i'll bet my dad could confirm this that he got like a launch nintendo for us because i remember getting a Nintendo, well, I say launch, like really, really close to that. But I remember getting a Nintendo when I was still living in Pittsburgh where I was born and I was two or three, which would have put it soundly close to when it was released. Um, and, and of course my brother's three, three years older than me. So it was, you know, five or six. And so, um, that Christmas is when we got it. And, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it was 1985 now. So dude, That'd be crazy. It should, should have been easier to guess, but yeah, here we are. I remember we got a an NES in I was I think five. I was four or five, so that was like nineteen eighty eight or eighty nine, which is wild yep. to think about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I and I know. Like I said, we got ours up in in Pittsburgh, and and it makes sense because you you're the oldest in that group were you not so yeah getting it yeah yeah i'm the oldest. oldest is four or five is uh it makes sense so same same with my brother it's roughly how old he was so i did lots of watching him play mario and uh, yeah yeah okay 
Let's get to some modern stuff. Uh, I laughed out loud at this one, and I just tweeted this out. Um, so if, if you saw that, then you're already going to know what I'm going to get at. But uh, <laughs> so today is there's an Apple event today, right? Mm-hmm. They do it in like September, October every year. A fake YouTube Apple event stream drew th- over 30,000 viewers before it turned into a crypto <laughs> scam. That's awesome. This, this was, I don't know, I just read it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, but basically, it was a pretty crude um, replica of basically they just tried to create a YouTube channel that looked like Apple. It had the Apple logo, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the description, it said like Tim Cook Live, Apple October Unleashed event, redesigned MacBook Pros, new AirPods, Pro Mac Mini, watch the special event. Anyway, so it started going and then all of a sudden it turned into a scam where they promised, uh, they they basically said, if you donate an amount of Bitcoin to a wallet, they will quote airdrop you, you double back Ethereum in return. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, they're just collecting Bitcoin, but of course, geez. Yeah. No, anyway. those scams are so common at this point. It's like, I it 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 just harkens back to the age old saying: if it sounds too good to be true, it's because it is. I feel right. like a lot of these scams are so obvious that anyone that's getting duped by them at this point is just not thinking, right? Yeah, dude. Like, so yeah. Approach everything with great hesitation. It's amazing even, how s- successful these scams are, though. Like, somebody will tweet yes. with a, a Twitter handle that looks like Elon Musk. It'll be like, Elon's husks. And I've, <laughs> I've decided to give everyone ethereum just send 10 ethereum to this or 10 10 dollars in ethereum to this wallet and i'll send you a thousand next month yay free Dude. money oh wait but it I works just gave away ten dollars yeah it's crazy it just works every time man and, and that's mad. why you see like you go to any website and you see all the like the most stupidest clickbaity like terrible ads and like trying to those. pull you to other articles or whatever and you're just like oh my gosh you know or like youtube ads that start with just the, like the stupidest stuff and it's like ah but it works and that's why people it's out there but anyway um yeah. so much like my my fake you know radar thing is up just like all the time intensely so all much time. so that yeah. i was on vacation last week and i got an email to my personal email and then a text message <laughs> to my oh, phone yeah. Yeah, about I guess Dell is doing a a um, a, a notification. They're setting up this whole thing, so you just have to confirm that hey, yep, I got it. In case of disaster in some sort of area, they can reach people. But the way they did it, I guess the company they hired out to do it, it looks exactly like a scam. Like the text yeah. I got, it, it, yep. I'm trying to see if I can go find it within any sort of like reasonable amount of time here. But uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I can't find it. Yeah, well, um, while you look, this stuff anyway, makes oh, here me it so, is. so mad at this point because yeah. it's like if if you're doing legitimate security notification stuff, do a little bit of work yes. to make it clear and make it easy for someone to validate that it's actually you and you're the entity that's sending this stuff, right? Like yeah. make sure it's coming from a, a, a an at dell.com you know email yeah. address not not some spoofed garbage link or or like the extension of this company you hired make make links to like if it's a content link or if it needs you to hit a site to to say hey i got this then make it short and human readable instead of 800 random characters <laughs> yeah well dude so this i mean it's the, the there was minimum. internal community yeah there was internal communication on it i was just out of office so I didn't see the email, the the notification on our homepage, all this kind of stuff. They said, hey, it's, this is happening. It's going to come out. And I never saw it. Uh, 
And I tweeted about it, and like 40 Dell employees were like, hey, man, no, it's legit. It's legit. But even still, like it just, I mean, the, it says this is a test of the Dell Technologies critical alerts. Please acknowledge receipt of this message. Respond by clicking this link. No, no. It's just garbledy goop. And I'm like, nope. Nope. Not doing it. <laughs> nope. Sorry. Not going to click on this thing. And it was the same thing yeah. in the email. And so, I, anyway. We, we had to figure like out a better way of doing about that. it uh, on the show before, but I, I had a, a similar experience with a, an FBI agent contacting somebody. Yes, and, and yes, like, you talked about that. It was so crazy. Uh, yeah, and I, and I was so sketched out, and I was like, "What? What on earth yes. evidence do we have to actually validate that, that you're an actual FBI, FBI agent?" And yeah. their answer was, "Google the FBI Omaha office, and I'm the top <laughs> link." And I'm like, "Dude, get off the phone." <laughs> yeah you could be anyone talking <laughs> google search sure. results are not verification of anything anything so let me just do my own research on the fbi right here sorry Thanks, you're breaking FBI. up Bloop. i ended up being totally legit but i've never been more offended in my life oh uh, yeah was terrible just it terrible. was terrible dude okay but if that's so real how are we supposed to avoid scams yeah Right? Right? <laughs> Everything's a scam. It's until, oh yeah, gosh. whatever. Yeah, exactly. The top <sighs> there about it. Man, I don't know. And, and like, I appreciate what Dell's trying to do in terms of like reaching of out to their employees in case of disasters and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, the last thing that I'm thinking about is if there's a disaster that I need to be communicating with some third party that my company has hired out to make sure I'm okay. Like, I'm going to be focused on my family and like what I need to do and, and all this kind yeah. of stuff. Now, I know they want to be helpful and be able to reach people and find people. And so I don't know, man. So anyway, yep. okay. Yeah, wanted yeah. to get your take on this one. Um, so the, I think the Apple event is happening right now. It started at, uh, I think it's about an hour and a half ago. Maybe it, maybe it's over by now. I don't know. So there's little stuff that's starting to hit the, uh, the airwaves right now, but this one, so it's called Apple music's new voice only plan costs four ninety nine per month. Tell me what, what you think that, that means. Mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What does as soon as I read the title, only Apple Music plan even mean? Yeah. What do you? That's exactly what I thought. I had to read the article before I figured it out. Do you have any guesses? Only, like it only works with the an assistant. Yes. Right. So why? Yeah. Exactly. Who needs man. that? Exactly, dude. It's like it's it's confusing me. It's like on the level of like HBO uh, commercial supported version where you save like four dollars a month. It's the same thing. You save like $4, $5 a month. I think the normal one where you can use your phone to type in a song is $9.99 a month. And this is $4.99 a month. So you save five bucks. It's 50% off. But it only works. You basically tell uh, Siri, hey, uh, enable this. Well, I guess I just did on my phone. Um, <laughs> but then, then the only way you can interact with it is by telling it, hey, play some sort of station or play this song or play whatever. The problem I have is, well, numerous. I'm curious if people actually even use this. But there's some pretty obscure stuff that I like looking for. And the translation, like they, well, this happens especially on the um, the Amazon Echoes. They don't understand what I'm saying. And they pick something that's maybe more popular that sounds like what I'm actually asking for. And it's not the song I want or something. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But apparently this is to compete with, um, there is, it's a response to Amazon Music's 
Echo plan that's priced at three ninety nine. Oh, I didn't even know they use, had an Echo plan. Neither did I, but it lets you use this Alexa's is... voice assistant to request music via an Echo or Fire TV device, and that's it. So you have access okay. to Amazon Music. It's four bucks a month, Just like but you can't do an app. Ninety nine percent of what I do with with Amazon, but every once in a while I use the app on my phone because you know camping yeah. and stuff like that. It's convenient to have. Uh, Right, but I like looking tracks. through the albums and like finding stuff or finding related artists and I don't know. Yeah, uh, I do don't do think? that as what much. Um, and, and also, I think some of that is just because the, honestly, Amazon's app for that stuff probably isn't super awesome. Um, no, yeah, I, I guess I, I get it. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a t yeah, and, and I've heard that, right? But uh, you can share um, Amazon Music among yeah. family i think it's like five people so it just it's a cost thing for me to not not do that um but yeah that's uh i, I think the name is weird like voice <laughs> right. only is just a weird way to say that like you should you shouldn't have to go figure out what the f they're trying to sell you yeah it's <laughs> you just should, called it's, the name should apple, tell you everything you yeah. need to know <laughs> well it, they call it apple music voice plan 4.99 okay. a month sure all right so uh the anti-app plan. I, I mean, I, I like the idea that they obviously know that there's a market for it. And I completely appreciate that, right? Like uh, like I said, most of what I do with my music apps and consumption is through a device at this point. Ninety, Like I said, 99% of it is probably going to be through an Echo in my house. I actually mm -hmm. don't use it on the Fire TVs. I think that's a weird one. But um, like if... If I wasn't sharing what what ends up being marginally more expensive across lots of people, then that would probably make sense for me, because um, it's actually like I've totally on on vacations before. I've taken an Echo Auto, which is a very small you know USB powered um, yeah. Echo device that that's just the microphone array, and I've paired it with a Bluetooth speaker and just run it off of like a phone backup battery. Both of both of them in, in certain mm -hmm. situations, but um, you know, in a pinch, even while camping, I could do that. It's, I mean, for me, I would say that as much as I like to have music on during camping, it's it's probably worth a couple extra bucks just to be able to use my phone. But yeah. you could totally work around it. So I think it's cool that they're offering it. Long long story cool. short, I think it's great that they have an offering that's trying to entice people to use their music service but not uh, require yeah. you know full-fledged access it, it's curious it's probably me, easier though, for that, that yeah, the ahead. phone is is it so much more expensive for them to maintain is is the app so complicated and then my follow-on no. question would be I'm just trying to get more if, if it subscribers if it if it is could you just have like a voice only app that doesn't have all the fancy crap so that you could still use a voice assistant to get music going on your phone, but yeah, it doesn't have all the stuff you were talking about. Well, yeah, but does that work with this plan is my point. Yeah. 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 You talk to Siri and you tell her what you want to play. Oh, okay. Right. So that works on your phone too then? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, then that would be the plan that I have. But now they're just saying you can't look at the, you can't look yeah. at the Apple music I'm okay app. That. Yeah. I'm, that actually sounds great. So high five Apple and that doesn't come out of my mouth very often. So wait. <laughs> yeah. And, and I understand too, that I'm unique in music. Like music is super important to me. And I know there's some people that when I'm like, Hey, what kind of, what kind of music do you listen to? And they're just like, I don't really listen to music. Like, I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense. And so maybe <laughs> this is you? the type of, yeah, I, I think uh, music's that's like, nice that we met. We'll never be friends. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
music is like part of your soul and so if you yeah. don't listen to music then you know you're yeah soulless, I, I, I love guess, music and i love listening to it <laughs> it's kidding. happening all the time i don't care yeah. as much about album art i don't i don't care as much about looking through it and and again like if if there was a really good find new artist functions in Amazon Music, then I would probably use it a lot more. It's yeah. I think their algorithm is kind of garbage, which is funny because I use it anyways. But I use it because it's so convenient on all the dots. So mm. it's just, you know, I ask for a song and 99% of the time it just plays that song. Yeah. So I don't have yeah. to worry about it. I wish it gave me newer, more interesting music. Not it doesn't have to be new, new to me. Um, than it does. I, I want Spotify's algorithm for mm -hmm. my Amazon Music, but I love the breadth of the library and what's available. I'm rarely disappointed. Yeah. But if anyone from Amazon's listening, you need to get Girl Talks All Day album on freaking Amazon Music because I'm tired of it not knowing what I'm talking about and I want to listen to that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. All my speakers. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> particular things when you just say, hey, play this album or whatever, and they're like, yeah, yeah. sure. you know. And then it plays garbage. Playing That yeah. is not it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like Night Ripper, some... but that's not what I asked you for. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I lost my AirPod Pros the other day. They fell out of my pocket. I was oh, talking I about, about this on this. Twitter. Yeah. yeah. I, I was apparently they just came out with like a separation notification <laughs> on this, that. like the day after I lost them. Because if you ever leave your phone anywhere, your watch will tell you, hey, you left your phone. Um, here's where it is. And yeah, seems like I had just gotten that integrated with AirPods yep, too. Just gotten home um, from a, a visit out in North Carolina to, to my dad to help him do stuff. Anyway, family picked me up. We go to a restaurant. I get the keys to the van from my wife, put them in my pocket. And apparently, I guess when I went to take the keys out in the restaurant, I pulled the AirPods out, they hit the floor. Anyway, so all this. And then I was excited because it would give me an excuse to get the new AirPods that were apparently being announced, but I didn't realize that it's just, it's the new version of the basic AirPods, not the AirPod Pros. Some cool features here that they're updating, but dude, I was so skeptical on the Pros out of the gate about the noise, the active yeah, noise canceling I've that they have. Yeah, I've good things, to be honest. They're amazing. They're right. amazing. Yes, That's because cool. I, my wife was like, hey, you can use my AirPods in you know the meantime, but they're not the Pros. She didn't want those. And they're just not the same. Like I, that active noise canceling is so nice when you plug it in and like everything washes away and all you hear is what, what you're focused on. Right. So it's super cool. It's super cool. So anyway, I guess I'm just going to have to either wait and see if the pros come out with a new version next year. I don't know. I'm sure man. they will. I'll just go buy some more pros. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just buy some more pros. I guess. Oh, are they gone forever? I thought you found them. I thought they were. No. Well, they oh, were, but, yeah. but but it was a week. So <laughs> yeah. I just figured I so had left them somewhere in my house. Somebody's the proud new owner of some Apple Pros. I'll bet they're yeah. enjoying the noise-canceling function. Think of <laughs> all the right. joy you've brought that individual. Yeah, yeah. Either yeah. that and or a kid choked on it, and they're yeah. trying to find somebody to sue. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. That got dark. <laughs> okay. Got dark, didn't it? <laughs> all right, all right. Um, what else we got here? What Did you see anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to bring up? No, I didn't really follow the news real close um i there was a leak that's that i thought was exciting about the uh pixel um stuff that that google's gonna be talking about tomorrow and that um is that the prices are lower than anybody thought and i i forget exactly what they were but i want to say that the pixel pros like only gonna be 850 or something like that as opposed to the thousand which flagship phones have been demanding for mm -hmm. some time um and that's pretty awesome because I'm pretty much planning on getting that. I'll, I'll do my final research once it's all out and, and all that stuff. But um, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a new phone with 
bigger batter battery and a camera that doesn't have a rear lens cover that's broken so it yeah funny pictures that's gonna be cool i haven't had a modern cell phone camera in a long time a long, long time. time so so that's like cool. six years and i think <laughs> plus another yeah exactly it's, from it's, what it's, i remember I've, I've, I've had this yeah i've had this for a while um as a tangent uh this is weird how old i know your phone i found is. it interesting <laughs> right um so i i don't know i can't remember if i ever mentioned this like in on one of our podcasts but i i still didn't have a an unlimited cell phone data plan um up till friday last week and <laughs> what? so i getting charged for like minute overage stuff no 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 it was it was one of at&t's because i've been on at&t for a very long time um and i lost my original unlimited plan like the one that was highly coveted because it was before they realized that they could charge a lot more for this stuff um that was uh that, that was like the original iphone or you know probably the 3g something like that because that's the last mm -hmm. one i had and so it was like 35 bucks a month and it was unlimited data and all that stuff and they've been you know trying to incent people to get off those forever and then they i think they started to make rules it's like yeah that doesn't work for 4g phones stuff like that whatever to get everybody off those old inexpensive you know unlimited data plans yeah well, i had to drop my unlimited when i moved to italy because i didn't maintain a u.s cell phone service at all while i was overseas because um, it doesn't make any sense um and so i lost that when i came back i ended up getting um one of their rollover data plans which they had been pretty aggressively phasing out over over the last probably decade right and so i was on a rollover plan so my plan was shared between my wife myself and my parents so there's four adults on this plan and it was 20 gigs of data for substantially less than what it would cost to have an unlimited plan for all four people and so that 20 gigs we never burned through and if if we did or get anywhere close to it, it was probably because i was traveling for business right tethered to my phone, all that stuff. And that was the other thing is that it, uh, you know, it's tethered up to that 20 gig and it shared across all the lines. So it ended up being sufficient for, for a long time. But, um, every once in a while, since, uh, you know, like staying at home, one of us or more than one of us would take our phone off Wi-Fi and just drain that, that kitty. And it, mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. It slows down at the end of 20 gigs, which is super annoying when it happens, but it usually only happened for like a day. But then yeah. we were going out camping, something was wrong with one of the kids' tablets. They didn't have any content on the, ta on the, on the tablet. And I was like, ugh, maybe it's time to look at unlimited plans again. And I get this, I went out, I looked at AT&T and I was able to get everybody in that plan. So four adults for $2.50 more per month. Boom. I was like, well, there it is. And so I checked the box and here we are. But uh, I thought it was funny because it means because I, I have looked at it over and over again. I've looked at Google Five, looked at switching over to, you know, other carriers, almost pulled the trigger on T-Mobile, but I actually tested it out. And there are still so many holes in their network where it matters to us, namely mm -hmm. Louisiana, where her parents are, that it just never made sense. Like AT&T's coverage sort of demanded that, that we continue to use it. Um, and uh, Verizon was never compelling enough. The T-Mobile is actually quite a bit less expensive if you do all the right things. But, yeah. um, but I have never gotten close to the amount of billing that I had with this rollover plan that has been sufficient for eons until Friday. So if you haven't looked in a while and, and you're some dinosaur like me that doesn't have an unlimited plan, go check it out because uh, obviously they changed something. Hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. Good heads up. Yeah. Um, all right. I got two crazy ones. Well, not crazy, but stuff we can talk about here. 
Um, uh, trying to figure out which one I want to talk about first. Here we go. We'll go. Uh, Facebook plans to hire ten thousand people in Europe to build a virtual reality-based metaverse. <laughs> More metaverse, huh? Probably. <laughs> More metaverse. First article. More uh, metaverse. What does that mean? What What am uh, I? Yeah, exactly. What am I supposed to be expecting from this? So it says Facebook plans to hire ten thousand workers in the EU over the next five years to work on a new. That's a lot of people, by the way. Working yeah, on the platform. That is. A whole lot of people. Working on a new computing platform that promises to connect people virtually, but could raise concerns about privacy and the social platform gaining more control over people's online lives. Exactly. Uh, so these high-skilled workers would help build the metaverse, right? Which is a futuristic notion for connecting online um, that uses augmented and virtual reality. Okay, so the concept here is you live in one universe physically, you live in another universe in virtual reality, you live in another, quote, universe uh, with your augmented reality where you've got some sort of uh, AR overlaid into your physical in real life. So that's why you're getting metaverse, right? Got that's it. where that comes lots from. Of, so. Lots of them and they're, got it, okay. Yep, yep, cool. yep. And so- I, I mean, they're... like, hey, that's that's interesting, right? It's, yeah. The, it. That sounds weird, and obviously they think it's got some traction because ten thousand, like you said, is a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That's that's a significant human capital investment for something. It, it feels like more of a less of a roll of the dice, right? Like that's yeah. a okay. We have a vision. We understand how it makes us money. Let's go. Yeah. Well, and they're saying the recruiters are targeting Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Poland, the Netherlands, and Ireland. Uh, for the hiring drive uh, company as of June reported having more than 63,000 employees worldwide up 21% from the same time last year. Uh, so let's see concept here, obviously just kind of expanding on what I was saying earlier um, access. It's, it's a, it's a virtual world. And I think what they're focusing on here is a single virtual world, not multiple different types of virtual world, but a single, like an earth twin kind of a deal where you access it in real time by millions of people and you use avatars, right? So you have some digital version of yourself that represents you. Uh, and then you can hold virtual meetings or buy virtual lands and clothing or digital assets, often paying with cryptocurrency, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the okay. concept. Facebook is putting its weight behind it, hiring 10,000 people. I, I don't know why, I don't know why they're targeting these specific countries in Europe yeah, though. That's what I, I was trying to figure I don't out. That one Not that there's a problem with it, but like maybe, why? maybe they know that there's a glut of people that studied the right things. But no, I, that was actually the first question that came to mind for me. And the other yeah. the other thought I have right off the top of my head is that it's really I'm I'm gonna use the word unfortunate and that, that maybe what'd you say? Unforcement? Unfort un unfortunate that, oh, that, oh, okay. that Facebook's reputation is so just crappy because this sounds really neat and really different and really maybe compelling i don't know big question mark for me but like facebook really needs to do some introspection and clean up yeah. on like just their their brand yeah. it it is quickly becoming universally reviled and that's not a cool place to be if you're trying to break ground on something that is supposed to be like the the next platform for human interaction, like 
we don't mm-hmm. we don't want a big bad gorilla in there and and it's going to take them some seriously the funny thing is they might succeed anyways cuz i'm i'm actually one of the ones that thinks that facebook's not going anywhere and you can hate it all you want and you can delete facebook but the billions of people using it don't care how you feel and mm-hmm. and they have found other reasons that it is valuable to them, whether it's staying in touch with people, marketplace, or, or you know, buying or selling side of stuff. Um, I think there's all kinds of reasons that Facebook is going to continue to be uh, you know successful, right? But I would like to see them fix the problem they have with their brand because I th- yeah. I think the underlying causes of that are things worth spending time and money to fix. And it's like, you see some of the articles. In fact, there was one, I think it was in tech meme today that was talking about how a Facebook's AI algorithm for sort of getting rid of bad content, things that are literally on their no, no list is really bad at doing that. Yeah. And those kinds of things are a really bad look in general but for Facebook's reputation, it's just like, oh, yeah, no, them them being, you know, blase about yet another thing to keep crap content from propagating everywhere. And it's like, I don't I don't want to feel that way about a company right. that's really trying to change the way that we interact. Like, yeah. go fix your stuff, man. Yeah. Get it right. Yep. 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 Okay. Here's another one. Um, this is just a heads up for anyone that's doing some sort of crypto lending stuff with a few of these. Uh, so it came out today, New York joins a crackdown on crypto lending, seemingly targeting Nexo and Celsius. I did not know Nexo, but I have heard of Celsius. Apparently, uh, New York's Attorney General Letitia James announced cease and desist orders, sorry, letters to two Ooh. cryptocurrency lending firms. And then another three firms received requests for information on corporate ownership and handling of user deposits. And apparently it came out, um, the these two, it looks like... Nobody was supposed to know, but they were poorly redacted. I don't know if they were like written over in not quite dark enough Sharpie or something, Uh, but it leaked out that it was uh, Nexo and Celsius. So if you're doing anything with them, uh, maybe stop. So go somewhere else. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. So apparently there's some issues. Going I, on there. Surprise me, right? Like uh, the crypto space is definitely going through this early, early phase where. You know, there's pushback against regulation because any regulation yeah. feels like it could be overregulation for a budding technology. But at the same time, it's it's pretty wrought with risk for end users, yeah. which is not a good thing for really anyone uh, when it comes to financial systems. So it it in my opinion, like you gotta have regulations in those spaces. It can't just be wild wild west all the time. Mm-hmm. But you have to be really really careful at the same time. Um, so I, I'm not surprised that we're going to run into stuff like it, it sounds like a traditional sort of banking financial system, th- this idea that you could lend uh, or you, you, you could borrow from, from things, or maybe you're on those systems and you're, you think you're staking for instance, but what you're really doing is letting somebody else lend out your crypto on a different exchange and, and like the details, so many people using those platforms don't understand them at all. Not that those people understood exactly what a yeah. bank did or didn't do with your money either. Like the, the parallels are pretty clean there, but the banking industry has been responsible for some really bad stuff. And then we regulated to make sure that those things hopefully couldn't happen again. Right. Yeah. The crypto space does not have that. So there, there's a lot of YOLO and a lot of, like I said, wild, wild west to it. So you're going to, I think we're going to see lots of, Oh, 
yeah, we should have seen that coming. That's rough. Well, yeah, better luck next time because there's really right. no recourse. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm curious your take on this too because uh, what's today? Monday. Tomorrow is the first day that uh, Bitcoin ETFs yes. will uh, will be allowed, right? Yeah. And if you're unfamiliar with that concept, it's basically it's an ex exchange traded fund which mimics the price or matches the price of Bitcoin itself. So you're not actually buying Bitcoin. You're buying a fund that tracks the price of Bitcoin. So well, and uh, you could have a fund that actually tracks the price of a blend of assets, which right. is which is interesting. What's I that think seems really more cool, interesting actually. to me, but I don't understand why anyone would buy just a purely alone Bitcoin ETF. Now I mean I do the, the whole purpose of it, the advantage is there is that people who basically don't want to deal with Bitcoin exchanges um, or safekeeping or security around it, all that well, kind of stuff. And they want exposure yeah, to it. But in my mind, it's that, just buy the asset, right? Well, buy the all asset. that, but then also you got to remember that there are a lot of clever financial vehicles for people with self-directed like tax sheltered accounts, things yeah. like IRAs and 401ks. So oh, it makes that more available. It's not That's true. always easy or it's unclear because back to that, yep. you know, where are we in the regulation? Yeah. Uh, it, it may not be legal to own Bitcoin in a 401k in two years. Yeah. But if it's but an, ETF, an ETF, it probably yeah. is, which means that those self-directed accounts just basically got a new asset class, but under the umbrella. Yeah. Well, did I lose you? It did. There you oh. go. You're back. You're back. The what are your thoughts though on the fact that so if people are buying Bitcoin ETFs, they're not they're not actually increasing the demand of uh, well, hold, uh, the, hold on against the supply of Bitcoin. Oh, sorry. What happened? My my I got a phone call and my audio got ragged away. I just realized that's a very good reason oh, okay. not to use my phone for this, so I won't do that again. Um I was about for a little bit, so I thought it was a good idea. It wasn't. Um, so uh, uh, I I, di I disagree, right? So disagree with what? In, Which in part? This, this, well, what you were saying it doesn't, doesn't increase demand? demand for it. it. I think I think it does. Now I, I don't know off the top of well, my you're head. You're not buying up the supply financial. of BTC. That's not you know? true necessarily, though, and that's because an ETF, it, ETFs have rules. And, okay. and this is where I don't know what the regulation is around an ETF. But for instance, if an ETF that follows like the Fortune 500 companies, yeah, I'd call it whatever, shoot, just, just pick something like MSOS, that's a, that's a weed ETF, or Drive, that's a, a, mm -hmm. an electric vehicles ETF, right? They, they are required in their prospectus to actually show what the percent mix of the asset is. So yeah. at the end of the day, that ETF, that ETF owns Bitcoin. So more people that that's buy it. it absolutely they have to and that's okay. the difference in a in a like okay it, well that's cool then that's cool e ETFs, etfs aren't a derivative right so a, yeah. a derivative a derivative arguably also creates demand but it looks different right because yeah. that's more about leverage and being able to uh, well there's there's a lot to it but um no an, an etf i unless i am just profoundly mistaken they are they are literally owning the underlying assets in some blend and mm. it is just that the management of those assets. So think of it this way. There's a few of them that I know. I, you're right about a few of them that I know that own the asset and are selling ETFs uh, or have submitted to sell ETF versions of it. But I don't. I didn't know that that was required or not. So that's good. Well, I, I, think, the other I think they great, have to yeah. because because it, it, you the 
an ETF that's just like a, a tracking. In fact, uh -huh. this, this is something that happened the other way in the crypto space, which is that crypto yeah. created tokens that tracked stocks in the traditional market. And basically, regular Tim Baker, and they were like, nope, that's, there's, you, you don't own this. You're not doing anything except for giving people this sense of like following a price. Like that's that's not how this works. And it's actually why stuff like Tether and USDT, like some of the stable coins, they're getting mm -hmm. ragged on because they're not backed by anything. So saying that it's worth a well, dollar, is, but not having yeah. a dollar to back it up is a problem. So, and that's where I think the regulatory side of an ETF, it, it fixes those things from a legal perspective because the I don't, rules are clear. Yeah, I don't know that that's a hundred percent true though. I'm just looking at a Wall Street and, Journal article and it just says the funds won't not all the funds will actually hold bitcoins. Instead, they will deal in Bitcoin futures, which trade separately on regulated US. Futures exchanges. is different. But yeah. futures is different. You don't have to own the underlying asset because what you're basically doing is borrowing the right to buy or the right to sell those assets. That's right. where you have okay. liquidity issues. Right. But but you still have some anchor in reality that is defined by fintech legal rules right mm -hmm. so okay. if you're trading futures you're still on the hook for real money to go into the market it's just how much you win or lose is well it's large to you know bejesus and back depending on how you you purchase those futures that that is a different financial mechanism but it still has legal rules that mean there's no net new money going in or zero sum where somebody yeah. is actually winning and somebody else is losing so stuff is trading hands and it's trading well, hands at different prices so that's that's arguably the yeah thing you do it's just a little more complicated okay so I mean, there there are, there are good reasons to have this and another uh, another reason for having a bitcoin etf as well is that you can short sell bitcoin etfs so if you believe that the underlying asset will go down uh then you can short the etf which is more go. difficult to do if you're just trying to short the actual asset on an exchange so yeah no because and and that's where again it all boils back to the regul regulatory side of things if you don't if somebody isn't setting the rules for what the market how the market functions then you can yeah. have bad actors in lots of different ways but if you have an etf and you short it the way that a short functions is clearly defined and you will be on the hook for you know ponying up if you're the loser of that that you know uh, transaction as an example, right? Because mm. at the end of the day, everybody's trading something. You're going to trade new cash for new Bitcoin, or in this case, new Bitcoin ETFs, or or you're going to borrow shares and then you're going to collect the premium for having, you know, lent them out, or you're going to pay a premium for having borrowed them. There's there is actual, you know, dollars changing hands, which which will have some impact on the total cost of the underlying asset. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, all right, I get we got to shut this down. I got to go prepare for another call here at the top of the hour. Um, but I wanted to bring this one up because I know you used to work with Top Golf, maybe you still do. But there are full golf courses coming to Pro Putt on cool. Quest Two in November, and there seems to be some sort of partnership here with Top Golf. It says Top Golf with Pro Putt is getting full swing courses on November eighteenth. So neat. Looks I like the game has like. Yeah, it's got like little Top Golf mini games, but it also has yeah. and it has like a driving range, all this kind of stuff. We can that? also play what's, full what's courses. What's Pro Putt? Is Pro Putt 
like I, I'm guessing ProPut Pro already the name has of the game. like courses. Yeah, it's what it oh, looks okay. like. I, I wonder if ProPut either has or licensed, you know, some of the think think like uh, what is Golden Tea, right? Where they they have all of these courses that are programmed into the game. But what makes yeah. Top Golf particularly cool is that when they brought what was it like Pro Tracer or whatever eons ago, yeah. you know, it's basically right at their inception when they started integrating the ability to trace the balls and then create an augmented reality experience around. Yeah. golf balls like it lends itself to some pretty cool you know ar vr sort of ecosystems yeah. that's, looks that's like, awesome yeah it's like top golf actually owns pro putt it just says pro putt by top oh, okay so, i mean this is major kudos to top yeah. golf who i mean they have diversified awesome and diversified stuff. and added ar and now they're going into vr and that's awesome i don't know the leadership there it's exciting seems company to be doing really cool stuff yeah so no, they're, they're big cool. uh okay. big deli mc customer too and, That's right. uh, and VMware, obviously. Event. Awesome. Okay, cool, man. Well, you want to shut it down? I got to go yep. right now. Good talking to you, dude. Cool. Yeah, you too. This is fun. I, we did a very bad job of having episodes without you last week with uh, Russ's baby and our schedules all over the place. When somebody's gone, it's like, well, are we doing this today? We're apparently not. But we did one today and it was tons of fun. So thanks for joining us because that is another Tech Breakfast podcast on the books. Appreciate you listening in. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for being here. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Bye. Yeah, baby.